It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. David could have been Nabal's worst enemy, or he could have been a protector of him, in which, in fact, he was. And so David is saying, um, you know, we're, we're kind of hungry. We're living out here. We're kind of on the run. Uh, can you give us anything? It's a feast day. And usually on feast days was a day that you shared one with another. And so he's saying, look, is there anything, whatever you have, whatever comes to your hand. In other words, he didn't say, we're going to go through now when we want the best of this and we want the best of that. He goes, look, whatever comes to your hand. That's another way of saying that is, um, we be beggars, we ain't choosers. (laughs) Whatever you got, give us and we'll take it. That'll be great for us. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words uh, in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is this son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meal that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who I do not know where they're from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told David all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword, every man gird on his, uh, uh, so every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. About 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supply. So there's a total of about 600 uh, guys there now. And uh, what's interesting here is they were going to go down and uh, do a little navalizing here. They, they were mad. Uh, they insulted him. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife. This is the one that was level-headed and was good-looking. Saying, look, David has sent his messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them, or literally scorned them. But the men were very good to us. David's men were good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we were accompanied by them when we were in the fields. And they were a wall to us both by night and by day, and all the time we were there with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore, no one consider what you do, for harm is determined against our master Nabal and against all of his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. <laughs> this guy is so hard-hearted, such a, such, a, such a selfish person, no one can even talk to him. Now, it's interesting here that we find Abigail, his wife having much more sense than he does. Uh, he insulted David's men. And now David has girded uh, uh, 400 men with swords, including himself. And they're coming back to visit Nabal. And they're not coming back to pay him a visit to say, how are you? They're, they're coming back to slaughter him and take all they've got. 
Now, one of the things interesting, it does say something here important. It says, uh, verse 15, But the men were good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything, as long as we were accompanied by them. So evidently, when David's men were not around, they were the victim of marauders that would come and steal what they had. So, so David, in fact, did do them a very kind service in protecting them. And where they weren't scared of a bunch of sheep shearers and goat shearers, they were scared of David and his four or 600 men, we might say. Then Abigail, and this is where it makes a big difference, ladies. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep, already dressed, five sheets of roasted grain, 100 clusters of of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Now, you, you think about this for a minute. This was not some small deal here. This girl had to have some very good skills as far as getting things collected together, getting people, you know, I mean, um, 200 loaves of bread is a pretty good call for Albertsons here in town. And so this girl uh, really was able to enact the, 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 the people that were around uh, her and also have the necessary transport, uh, you know, to get the donkeys loaded up. I mean, that, that had to be a little bit of a chore, too, to have all that tied down and everything ready to go. And she said to her servants, go before me and see, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, I, I'm sure... There's a reason why. I I think she knew her husband probably pretty good, that he was a scoundrel, and he would have stopped this entire thing from happening had she told him, so she didn't tell him. And so it was that she rode on the donkey, and she went down under cover uh, of the hill, and there was David and his men coming down towards her, and she met them. Now, I think this is interesting here because... Abigail didn't just send a bunch of stuff. She went herself. I, I think Abigail recognized that this, uh, she probably got to thinking about everything. The servant that came and said, David protected us, and now you've insulted him, and this isn't going to be good. You better do something here. And so Abigail now acts as an intercessor. Now, I think this is interesting here, because uh, rather than, than um, you know, you know, first of all, you have to realize this guy's really wealthy. Okay, he's got a lot of money, got a lot of lot of stuff, a lot of lot of goats, a lot of you know whatever wealth was in those days. This naval dude had it. He was well well equipped. What is interesting is, unfortunately, a lot of times in in home situations where perhaps the man is or the family is well off, the woman basically all she cares about is having her nails done. Well, this wasn't the case with Abigail. In fact, Abigail recognized, even though she was a very, very married to a very rich man, and she was very well off, it did not stop her from becoming involved in a situation where she now perceived it to be a life and death situation. The reason why I say that is because of the gift that she was sending to uh, David was that of, of major, major cost and expense uh, to Nabal's family or and to her indirectly. Now, where did she learn this? We remember that um, uh, Joseph, or excuse me, uh, Jacob and Esau. Remember when Esau was coming to greet him, and we remember that night that that uh, that uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel all night. Well, we remember before that happened that he sent uh, um, groups of sheep to um, 
to his brother Esau as a gift because he had heard that Esau was coming to meet him and uh, he feared for his life. And so he was sending a present or a gift. And we've studied this other places in scripture. If there's, if there's um, uh, uh, kind of a um, broken relationship, the Bible says uh, sometimes a gift uh, helps take that edge off that broken relationship so you can talk. So here, here you find this little gift, you might say, which was little at all, but it was rather major. But she is believing or counting on it saving everybody's life. So it says that um, she rode on the donkey, which I think is interesting because it wasn't probably that pleasant a trip, and she went and did it anyway. And David said... Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow, Nabal, has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed all, uh, nothing was missed all that belonged to him, and that he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him alive by morning light. <laughs> uh, you might say David is like, like, pretty unhappy here. <laughs> He's not real, real impressed by Nabal's behavior. And so he says, now when Abigail saw David, she hastened to dismount from the donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed to the ground. And so she fell at his feet and said, on me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Now, this is interesting to me because Abigail really didn't have anything to do with this. She said, let this judgment of yours be upon me. And she really didn't have anything to do with it. Now, friends, this is what I see as an intercessor. This is somebody that has understood intercessory prayer, you might say. This is somebody that stands in the gap between something hostile and something that is in rebellion. Friends, uh, intercessory uh, prayer and intercessors, I believe, is what God's called us as his children to be. Uh, I believe uh, you might say that you have a God that's coming to bring wrath upon the world. Uh, You have a, 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 a world that's in rebellion to God. And who are the intercessors in this world? It's the church. It's, it's, it's God's family. It's, it's, his, it's his bride, you might say. And so we find here that even, and I, I don't want to wreck the story for you, but Abigail goes on and marries David, which is to me interesting. And, and what, what I think is interesting is here she is, is interceding for uh, this group of people that are so, maybe so hostile against David. You find this woman now uh, reaching out to David. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, folly is his game. <laughs> Actually, that's just about what it says. It says... Um, For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord that you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, and now let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord. Let it be given to your young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass 
of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights against the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you uh, throughout your days. This is interesting, because again, David was was not an unknown. David is the one that killed Goliath, and everybody remembered that. I mean, just like we all remember uh, Douglas MacArthur, the Second World War. Well, everybody knew who David was, the giant slayer. And so David was not some unknown person. And this is why I, I believe also when uh, David went and his, his men came to uh, Nabal and when, when he says, well, who is this David and who is the son of Jesse? Hey, you remember who he was. He's the war hero. He was the one that delivered Israel from the Philistines. You'd all be speaking Philistine if it wasn't for David killing Goliath. And so this is, the, this is why I believe, again, you see this reaction that comes from from uh, David, why he, he mounts his army to go after him. So we find now uh, his wife interceding in this way. And um, verse 29, Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord God and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out from the pockets of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good things that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offense to your heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself, but the Lord has dealt well with my Lord. Then remember your maidservant. This is interesting here because she's actually prophesying. The Holy Spirit comes on her and she said, listen, you're going to be king over Israel. She knew who he was. Now, this is interesting because if she knew who he was, certainly Nabal then had to know who he was as well. Now, uh, what's noteworthy here, David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who spent, uh, who sent you uh, this day to meet me. Uh, this is interesting here because um, he um, recognized that God is the one that really did this. Blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself um, uh, with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who kept me back from hurting you, unless you hasten to come to me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. So David was going to put a hurting on this guy for sure. So David received from her hand what she had brought to him, And said to her, go up in peace to your house and see, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Then Abigail went to Nabal. And there he was, holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry uh, within him, for he was very drunk. Now we remember it it was during the time of the feast. If you go back to uh, verse 8, that's why. And he was very drunk, therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. Um, and again, um, you know, drunkenness numbs you to the real danger of stuff. And certainly, um, Nabal being drunk, she didn't even bother to waste the time telling him. So it was in the morning, when the wine had gone from Nabal, his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him and he became like stone. In other words, uh, she said, look, David was coming last night while you were partying down, dude. He was coming to hack you to pieces. 
And she gave him the real skinny of what was going on. She's saying he was coming. And it said his heart died within him. Now, probably, from what a lot of people say, they believe that probably he had a stroke at this point. His heart died within him. Uh, and he became a stone. And evidently he couldn't speak. He couldn't, he, he just, and so it's interesting. It says, it happened after 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Uh, and so um, we find this, this quick end. So what's interesting here is David didn't have to kill Nabal. God killed him. Now again, friends, you know, God deals, that's why the Bible says to pray for your enemies. God's hand is a lot bigger and a lot more powerful than yours is. And God knows how to deal with somebody because you never know that if God's dealing with somebody that you want to kill, God may be desiring to bring that person into a new understanding of his love. And that person may become your best friend and a great evangelist. You never know. On the other hand, God knows that person's heart that he's never going to change. So God just, after 10 days, kills him. So this is the interesting part of the story now. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded my cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. You know, I think he goes, wow, this, this, she's a cute girl. I think uh, this is, and, and very available. Uh, and so now, you have to remember that he was also married to Michal, uh, David's, uh, Saul's daughter as well. And it says, And when the servants of David had come to Abigail and Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David has sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Now, for guys, you don't know how to propose, you're afraid of getting turned down, this is one way to do it. Have somebody else go and ask them. Because in that way, if they turn you down, you don't get your feelings hurt. I, I like this. This is, you know, this is David. Yeah, just ask her if she wants to marry me. Okay. So, and, and also something else you have to remember. She was a rich widow. <laughs> that was another a little thing here too. So she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Now this is interesting because again, here was this woman, a very rich widow, and she says, I am willing to wash the feet of the servants. Now, friends, as I continue to look at this, I realize that you see a picture in Abigail of the church. Uh, you know, Jesus, again, as he washed the disciples' feet, uh, we realize that in washing feet, it, it, it's, and now, you know, there's certain churches that during the, their, their communion services, they have feet washing services. And, and, uh, it's not commanded in the Bible. Jesus did it at the, at the, at the Last Supper. Uh, and some people believe you can't really have communion unless you have a foot washing ceremony as well, but we don't find that practiced, uh, in the other places in the New Testament. Just the, uh, the cup and the bread is what we find in the communion service. It doesn't mean that it's wrong if somebody does that. But I guarantee you, if we were to have a foot washing service next Sunday morning after communion, I guarantee you we'll find the cleanest feet and the nicest looking toenails you ever saw. But in those days, that's how they got around. And they did not have concrete and pavement. Their feet were dirty. And as they'd walk along these hot, dusty roads, and they would be sweaty, and then that dust would stick to their feet, and their feet were grimy and gungy and dirty and filthy and stinky. And so to wash somebody's feet in those days was that of a servant's job. And so when Jesus went to wash Peter's feet, Peter says, you're not washing my feet. Because Peter was saying, look, 
That's the job of a lowly servant, not somebody who is going to be king. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have no part of me. And Peter said, well, in that case, wash all of me. You know, pits and all. I mean, give me a bath. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you just need your feet washed. You just need your feet washed. You need to learn what it is to be a servant. So, interestingly enough, here we find Abigail saying, I would be pleased to wash your servant's feet. I believe, again, as we look at this woman that's beautiful, uh, I I really like these words that it describes her. Verse 3, good understanding and beautiful in appearance. I think that's the way the church should be. Good understanding and, 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 and beautiful. You may not always see yourself that way, but I believe this is the way God sees you. And, and so I think it's really important to always see yourself the way God sees you. Because if you start seeing yourself any other way, you're going to have a distorted view of yourself. And if you are listening to Hollywood that says you're only beautiful if you do this or you do that, then that's conditional love and that's conditional beauty. But see, God says you're beautiful in Him. And so as I look at this, I realize that as the church, as the bride of the king, and this is exactly what we're seeing here. Now, something interesting. Um, she, at this particular point, was not actually married to him, but she was still being that servant. And friends, we're not actually married to Jesus like we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, but I guarantee you that we're still the servants of God. And so he says, She arose, bowed her face to the earth. Verse 41 again. Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste, rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidservants. And she, see again, she was wealthy, so she got her little entourage with her. Five of her maid, uh, maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. So David took Anaham of Jezreel, so both of them were his wives. So, but David, excuse me, but Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Lashish, who was from Girm. So actually, uh, Saul uh, took away David's uh, wife, uh, which was really a crime. Now, something interesting here that you find is that even though Saul, in his wickedness, did this to David, David was not there when, when this happened, God saw that and God gave back to David what the evil one had taken away. And I just got some great news for you. Whatever the devil has ever taken away from you in your quest to serve God, I believe God will give back to you. Um, as we look at this picture as the servant, and I think it's interesting here that not only is the bride of Christ the Gentiles, but there's also the Jewish side of, of the Bible that also God will uh, be part of as well, that we see this interesting picture uh, that we have, um, uh, the, the uh, Jews that will eventually believe. It's also noteworthy that the original bride that I think Jesus came for uh, didn't want him. Uh, we remember that he was rejected by the Jewish nation, and that's why the clock stopped on the 69 sevens that were 70 sevens were determined upon the nation of Israel. And in the 69th year, Daniel tells us uh, that Messiah will be cut off and the clock stopped. There's a seven-year period of time in which God will deal with the nation of Israel again and judge this world. That's what we know as the tribulation period. But it's a time in which God deals with the nation of Israel. Um, 
that, I believe, friends, again, is uh, what's getting ready to start. I pray that you are that bride that is of good understanding and beautiful. Uh, and again, realizing that you have a, a husband in heaven that loves you and that's going to be with you and to do all those things that he's um, promised in his word that he will do. And so if you've been feeling kind of lonely and kind of separated and kind of distant and kind of disjointed and like sometimes I think we can all feel, I just got some great news for you tonight that God's got some great things for you in the future and don't miss that for anything. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.